All good. Beautiful. Welcome back, people. Hope you're doing well. Um, first one I wanted to chat to you about, Dave, to sort of explain to people how refinancing works if they've never heard of it before. For November, the ABS stats came out for November. We'll get December stats shortly too. Refinancing hit. So $13.4 billion worth of mortgages held by people that live in their houses that are on a mortgage were refinanced in November. Um, Obviously, homeowners are looking for a better deal with a different bank or an existing. So the value of that refinancing rose 9.1% between October to November. What I wanted to uh, get you to explain based on those figures, why is refinancing so popular right now? And what Mm -hmm. actions from the RBA, uh, the Reserve Bank of Australia, would maybe cause a slowdown to occur in that side of the business of of like lending Mm -hmm. money, the refinance side, as opposed to we we know from the November data that people searching to get finance to buy a house is much down compared to the refinancing figure. So could you just explain that? Yeah, cool. Yeah, so... um... As, as you said, the uh, the numbers are up for refinancing, and that's just owner occupiers. So as you said, people living in their house. Um, you know, we add to that people refinancing investment property loans. So what what sort of happened is, you know, for a little while, you know, up until the pandemic, you know, interest rates sort of were around between three and five percent, and you know, they didn't really change that much. They went up a little, then they went down a little. Um, then when the pandemic hit, um, to make sure people you know, kept spending, kept borrowing, all this sort of stuff. You know, the Reserve Bank dropped interest rates to record lows. Cash rate got to 0.1% and, you know, people were getting, you know, 1.89% and you know, three, four-year fixed rates and low 2% um, rates on um, variable. So, but then last year, as we know, the RBA put up rates quite a few times and now, you know, your average rate is mid to high fours, low fives for owner occupied properties and um, a bit higher for investors. So what we're finding is people with with cost of living going up, people are a bit more aware that when you're in a loan with a bank, um, they may not you may not be on the best rate and often the new customers are getting better rates than say the rate you're on. And as a new customer, you can get a cash back from a lot of lenders to move banks. So it's become very popular. Um, we're refinancing quite a lot of people at the moment. Um, investors and um, owner occupiers on the investor front some of the banks were only accepting say 60 to 80 percent of rent um, in working out your servicing now mm-hmm. some banks will do a lot of banks will do 80 percent and some will even do 90 percent so you'll find that for some investors with interest rates going up and their borrowing capacity dropping um refinancing to a lender that will let you use more of your rent income in servicing gives you a better outcome so we're just finding there's quite a, quite a few things happening. So, um, yeah, if you've been in the loan for the last year or two and you haven't looked to refinance, um, give us a call or chat to your local broker and they can take you through the process. Beautiful. Second one we we're going to cover was about foreign investment. So um, Canada has started the new year with a policy to basically ban foreign investment in property for the next two years. So Justin Trudeau, the Prime Minister, had spoken of the desirability of the housing market in Canada had attracted, in his words, profiteers, wealthy corporations and foreign investors. And some people in Australia are now calling for that too here. Um, So PRD's economist, Dr. Diazwadi Madiasmo, 
sorry if I got her name wrong, said a, a ban for foreign buyers could maybe increase the supply for residential property because if enough of these foreign buyers had to sell their properties, maybe that would free up a bit of supply. Um, 25 to 4% of Aussie residential property was foreign owned. So using some stats from uh, 20, uh, the the 2020 to 2021 financial year. So it's a little bit outdated, but it's the most uh, recent data we could get from the Foreign Investment Review Board showed 5,310 residential real estate transactions had a level of foreign ownership of a total value of $4.2 billion. Um, and according to Core Logic, in that same time period, more than 550,000 properties were sold during that time. And that means the share of purchases from foreign buyers is around 1%. So uh, whether or not 1% is going to really move the the margin, you know, whether it's really going to affect prices if 1% sell because of foreign ownership is is up for debate. And sort of to go off of that, um, depending on who you ask, some people think there's this overwhelming like um, – mindset i guess or stereotype thought that china's driving up our house prices because china invests lots of money in housing here so using a, a study from the same time period the university of technology in sydney uh they were asking 2000 people weighted by age and gender between march and april of 2021 asking who mm -hmm. was driving up prices 82 percent agreed that foreign buyers from china were driving up aussie house prices 69 percent agreed that chinese investors have made it difficult for first uh first home buyers to enter the market uh and 78 percent said australia should restrict the amount of investment in residential real estate that's permitted for chinese investors even though restrictions already apply to all foreign investors and doing a little bit of extra research, China's actually the eighth largest investor in Australia. That's over all asset classes. So I couldn't get a, a, a data point for residential housing, but the United mm -hmm. States and the United Kingdom are overwhelmingly the biggest investors in Australia. And it's just a, sort of a weird misconception we've got. And I know there's political figures that have run with uh, China are buying up all our houses in the past, Um but we won't get into that. I just wondered what your thoughts were about the whole thing. Yeah, look, it's interesting. Um, certainly in Canada, if they do do this for two years, be interesting to see what impact it has. Um, it will take demand out, which, um, yeah, when when we've, I'm not sure what can Canada's like in regards to supply, but in in Australia we have a very we have a supply crisis, um, so. Yeah, maybe doing this might take some of the demand out of the market, which will. But you know, on the other hand, the governments are boosting demand through you know, first home buyer schemes and stamp duty exemptions and that sort of stuff. I sort of look at it like there's this been debate around for the last, well, ever since I could, I started listening to this stuff anyway, around foreign investment in Australia generally. And yeah, the one school of thought says you know we should just have yeah. Only Australians should be able to invest in Australia, but yeah, other people say you know there's not enough capital here in order to grow businesses um, to the the scale they need. So we do need foreign um, ownership or foreign investment. For me, I I could never really understand why we let 
foreigners buy property here like expats for sure like if you're an if you're an expat living in hong kong or uk or us and you know long term you want to move back to australia um happy days but i can never really understand why we did let foreigners buy property because um all of yeah it's just extra buyers often with bigger deeper pockets that pushes up prices so it's sort of not if if this did happen it didn't really it wouldn't really concern me too much i i actually think it's probably something we should do but anyway we'll just um we'll see how it goes but as the sort of stats show there's not there's not a lot of it happening um you know the the stats you had around you know is around one percent in the um july 2020 to june 2021 you know there wasn't a lot but um yeah it's I wouldn't be surprised if you know if the government turned around and did this, but um, because you know the, the stats as you as you read from the from the surveys, yeah, you know, most people would probably support it, whether that's due to ignorance or um, inform you know being informed about it. But yeah, anything they can do to sort of increase supply, reduce demand is probably not a bad thing at the moment. Mm. Last one was um. Another scheme the New South Wales government has launched. So the Liberal guys, Dominic Perrottet and all his gang, um, the scheme was launched on Monday the twenty third. So two days before today, we're felt we're uh, recording this on the Wednesday, um, and the scheme is called the Shared Equity Home Buyer Help Scheme. It's not fucking big enough worded, I reckon, but um, yeah, it, the idea of it will enable paramedics, early childhood educators, first home buyer teachers police, nurses, midwives, some single parents are eligible and older single buyers uh, to hopefully help them into home ownership. So you, these participants could secure a property with a minimum 2% deposit without having to pay lenders mortgage insurance, which is a, a pretty costly endeavor to go through if you don't have a huge deposit with banks. Up to 3,000 places will be available each year for two years. Uh, a buyer can have a maximum income of 90 grand for singles or 120 grand for a couple. And the, the government will basically take on an equity share of the property, uh, 40% for a new property, 30% on an existing one. Um, whether or not this, this scheme continues uh, if the lay, uh, if, the Liberal government loses the state election coming up. Maybe the Labor will scrap it or maybe they'll keep the scheme. But the idea of it, I guess, Dave, is helping key workers like like police or paramedics or people working in medical uh, uh, medical industry like hospitals, getting them into home ownership, which is probably ultimately a good thing. The only thing I'd find better maybe or an improvement on this is if they were trying to really help these key workers be closer to where they work because that's sort of the whole the whole uh, crux of it is if hospital workers have to buy houses far away from the hospital is that great for us greater as a society that like the workers that we need the most for like emergency services and stuff have to commute long distances to get to where they work like I would rather live somewhere where it's easier for them to do that so maybe that could yep. be something they could build on in the future but what were your thoughts on it? Yeah, look, it's it's pretty targeted. Like, it's not available to every um, every person. You've got to be in specific industries. I'm pretty sure at the moment there's only one or two lenders participating. I know I did see something from Bendigo Bank. It's Bendigo um, Bank right now, and other lenders yeah. can join in later. Yeah, so, you know, at the moment, Bendigo Bank, you've got to deal with them direct. Um, 
you know, we can't deal with them. So, yeah, you know, hats off to them. You know, they're, they're looking at trying to, you know, get more people in. It, you know, it could be a bit messy, I think, this one, that, you know, if the government's got a 40% stake in your house and five years down the track you want to sell it, um, you know, there's going to be issues. But who knows? It'll 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 work its way through. Uh, there was a couple you wanted to chat about with mortgage stress and uh, construction, like homes under construction and that sort of thing. Did you want to go through that? Yeah, yeah. Um, just before we get to them, there was just a couple of things that have sort of come up with clients we're dealing with that I thought might be might be of interest to people. One is about buying into state. Um, if you're if you live in say Victoria and you want to buy an investment property in Queensland or Tassie or West Australia, there's no real issue um, because you know the place is going to be rented out and you've still got your job in in your home state. If you're looking at if you're looking, say, just say you you want to move from Victoria to Brisbane or you know New South Wales to Tassie, and you want to live there, um, it's it's difficult to buy a property as a as a place to live in unless you have a um, unless you have a job, because you know you can't you can't um, yeah you know, lenders going to want to know how you're going to pay your mortgage, and if you're relocating to um, to yeah, seek employment, they're going to go, well, where are you going to work? What happens if you can't find a job? So it's just something to keep in mind. Um, also, the thing is to make sure the yeah, conveyancing is done on a state-by-state -state basis. So if you're going to buy, if your New South Wales is going to buy in Queensland or WA, you're going to need a, um, uh, a local conveyancer to help you with the purchase process. So just some things to keep in mind. A lot of people seem to think that, yeah, I've got a job in, New South Wales, I'll, I'll buy a place in, um, I don't know, regional Queensland and I'll get a loan and then I'll go there and find a job. It doesn't work like that. So um, the other one is buying from a related party. We've had this come up a few times in the past and it might be where where mum and dad have an investment property and or a property and they want to sell it to one of the kids um, or you've got you know, brothers and sisters selling to each other or whatever. Um, if the the main issue is whether the um, whether the purchase is at market value, sometimes you know you might have parents have a property worth say six hundred grand um, market value. You know, that's that would be its value in an open market. You know, sold by a real estate agent, um, but the parents are selling it to the kids for say four hundred to four fifty. So you've got to get a stamp duty valuation. If you're buying from a related party, and there's you know, a few extra hoops to jump through, so um, yeah, if you're if you're looking at doing that for your kids or you're a kid buying from parent, just sort of yeah, um, keep keep that in mind. Um, just the other things I was going to mention, um, yeah, there's there were some stats um, done through Google searches of refinancing, and yeah, it's uh, the the people searching that term has gone up 5,000%. And as you mentioned before, um, the data from January, 19.5 billion worth of mortgages, that's owner-occupier and investment mortgages were refinanced in November, which was the biggest in history. So, um, you know, the sort of stats we saw from CanStar, 15% um, switched lenders to get a better deal. Um, nearly 20% tried to refinance it but couldn't because their borrowing capacity had dropped or the value of the property had dropped. Um, and, yeah, potentially 77% um, people are, of people are probably paying too much on their mortgage at, at the moment. Um, 
the only other thing I was going to mention, um, today the um, December quarter, or sorry, December month and quarter, sorry, um, inflation figures come out. And so that will that will largely inform, I think, what the Reserve Bank does next year, uh, sorry, in February when it meets on Tuesday week. And I think if you um, if the inflation rate's sort of still in the 7 to 7.5% range or higher, you can probably expect to see a um, a jump in um, interest rates on on February six or something, whenever it is. Um, just some interesting stuff coming out of those um, out of those stats. There's a mob that um, uh, look at sixty thousand. They they sort of track sixty thousand um, grocery products every month, and they said um, over the last three months, grocery grocery price went up nine point two percent. So where we hear all these figures about retail sales going up. Um, it's we're not sure whether if retail sales have gone up ten percent, whether it's that people are buying ten percent more stuff, or whether they're just paying ten percent more for the same mm. stuff they used to buy. So it'd sort of be interesting. Just just some sort of things. Um, um, dairy products are up fourteen percent. Some reason cheese was up twenty four percent, which is which is crazy. Meats up ten percent. Um, pork's up sixteen percent. Chicken's only up six percent, so you know maybe maybe look to buy chicken if you're looking to save money. Fruit and veg only up one percent, you know, but fruit and veg had been up a bit because of floods and um, issues getting pickers and that sort of thing. So yeah, so that that'd be interesting today. I'm not sure what time the figures come out, but um, yeah, you, you expect to see the news reports um, reporting it quite heavily, and um, you know, all the economists jumping in to have their their say on what the RBA might do. There's there's sort of two schools of thought from the economists at the moment. One is that um, yeah, there'll be one or two more rate rises um, to you know knock inflation on the head and get it down towards the two to three percent band. Whereas other economists are saying, look, the, they've already done it enough. Don't do any more. Just you know, let it ride for a couple of months and just see what happens. So anyway, who knows? Well, it'll it'll all it'll all um it'll all come out in the wash, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Easy. That's all we had for this week. Next week will be the first week of a bunch of like new interviews coming out with a bunch of interesting people that you may have, you may have heard of before, or you may have never heard of before. So hopefully that'll be some good content for the guys listening. Um, if you who, want to learn, who are some, who are some of the guests you got lined up? Uh, so there's a guy called Jeff Huntley. He, um, he's known in the cryptocurrency world for basically showing some of the faults in what nfts might be uh and we might get uh-huh. into that but it's quite technique technical and i even i can't really get my head around it but he he did yeah. some pretty crazy stuff in the nft space just to sort of prove a point um okay but he's mostly famous to me for being a really good blogger who writes content mm-hmm. about living out of his van and working and living in a van and driving around Australia. And I just wanted to get his thoughts about, like, I think he'd have some interesting views about the world based on that yeah. choice. So he's coming up. PK Gupta, who's been on the show before, will be on shortly as well. Uh, Mike Mortlock uh, is going to be on in a couple of days. And I think I'm going to be a guest on his podcast too. So that's going to be interesting. Um, so yeah, lots happening. Should be good. So if people want to learn more about us, uh, moneysaverhomeloans.com.au is the way to do it. Uh, Go to Facebook, Money Saver Home Loans, and you'll find us there too if you want to learn more about what we do as a business. And, uh, yeah, anything else, Dave? 
Uh, no, no, nothing for me. Just, you know, if you need help with anything, sing out. Um, we can help you, you know, look at where you spend your money um, and, yeah, you know, where you might be able to trim back so you can start getting ahead of the game. Um, you know, look at areas to, to buy and if that's, if that's what you're looking at, how you might be able to leverage equity in your parents' property to to get in the market either as an owner-occupier investor, um, you know, take you through how the first home loan deposit schemes work. Um, you're working with a, a couple of people at the moment on that where you can get in for 5% deposit. Um, so, yeah, if you need help, um, you know, really, you know, if, if you're in a bit of a bind and things aren't working out, um, it's best to try and chat chat to someone who can help you um, yeah, sort of, you know, make the changes required to um to get sorted. So um anyway, yeah, if if you need anything, just give us a shout. Easy. Have a good one, people.